Hey friends, welcome back to the Sunning 65 podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Schultz, and today we are talking about John 15 and how to stop striving. Spoiler alert, the answer is to start abiding in Jesus. I pray this episode is so encouraging to your soul. Hello friends, it has been a minute. I pray this finds you well wherever you are listening to this. Um, I am currently in my life room um, to set the set the scene. If you've ever been in my house or maybe seen photos of my home, I'm in my life room, my front room that we call the life room because it's where all the life happens. Um, I am on the ground in between my couch and my coffee table sitting on the ground. Um, my dearest husband is at a men's retreat with our church, Providence, and so I'm with the kiddos at home tonight. They have been asleep for a few hours, and I thought, gosh, this would be a good time to record a podcast. So yeah, this last month has been absolutely wild, for lack of a better word, wild and amazing Um, on October 13th. So I'm currently recording this. It's November 5th. On October 13th, Alexander, my husband, donated his kidney to one of our best friends who's been on the podcast multiple times, Andrew Rutten. And wow, crazy. As of this last Wednesday, it's been three weeks already since that. They are both doing so well. Thank you so much for all of you that were praying for us through that entire process. Your prayers were totally felt. The Lord was so kind on October 13th on the day of the surgery in so many different ways. Hopefully, we'll get to share some of those ways on a podcast episode um, sometime in the future. But Alex is doing wonderful. He is feeling great. His incisions are healing, still sore, but he's not in pain. Um, He went back to work full-time this last week. Aira is doing great. As of now, his body is receiving Alex's kidney. So praise the Lord for that. Oh my goodness, we are rejoicing. He and Alex both are unable to lift, push, pull anything over 10 pounds for six weeks. Um, But Aira just learned today that it'll be another six weeks after he gets his dialysis port taken out in November. But Aira's recovery, a lot of you have been asking just how him and Alex are doing. Um, Aira's recovery is a lot different than Alex's because Andrew is on high immunosuppressants so that his body doesn't reject the kidney. So they are unable to see people right now. And for probably for sure the next like two to three months, definitely have to be so careful to be around anyone with even a runny nose or anything. So they have kind of been quarantined and been super careful as they should be. And I think between six to eight weeks is when they get to start entering back into life. And I think after eight weeks, Aira is able to like come back. They all are able to come back to church. Um, so that will be so exciting. We are missing them so much. Aira is the pastor of our church, Providence. Yeah, if you could just be praying for them as they have to continue to quarantine and be careful, that's still just really hard, even with Aira not being able to lift the kids and, you know, work. Just, yeah, prayers for them and their family and unity and for his body to continue to receive the kidney. But yeah, thanks so much for praying. And so many of you have been so sweet just asking how they are and asking how we're doing. And yeah, we're doing great. Alex, we we do not have to quarantine or anything. Alex is not on immunosuppressants, so his recovery looks different. Um, But he's doing great. He says that he feels 
normal like he did before. So we're just praising the Lord for that. And yeah, it feels good to enter back into rhythms and life. And I think we have, yeah, three more weeks of him not being able to be with the kids alone or lift Shay. But honestly, it's been it's been great. I can't believe it's already three weeks behind us. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, did the Lord just do a lot in our hearts this last year through what he's allowed Andrew to go through, um, just bringing ourselves to dependence on him and crying out to him and just to see that he has spared Andrew's life via Alex's kidney. Um, just wild. Even just thinking about, you know, in Psalm 139, it talks about the Lord knitting us together in our mother's womb and just thinking about the Lord knitting together Alex in his mother's womb and knitting together Alex's kidney with Andrew in mind, knowing that his kidney was going to go to Andrew. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. So we'll hopefully get to share more just sweet stories of how we got to see the Lord move throughout that in the future. But yeah, thank you for your prayers. If you would continue praying for Andrew and Bailey and for Andrew's body to receive the kidney, um, we would so appreciate that. But yeah, just so stinking sweet to see the body of Christ rally around us and pray for us and show up for us. And we've got countless, we've gotten countless meals and countless help and just super grateful. So a couple weeks ago, I got the absolute privilege of sharing a message at our college ministries girls brunch that they have once a month. And so got to get, get together with um, some of the gals in our college ministry and teach um, a little message, which was so much fun. And what I got to speak on has been so near and dear to my heart, especially this last year. And basically the message was titled, Stop Striving, Start Abiding. And so I was like, I honestly should just record the message as a podcast episode. I, hopefully you can be encouraged by it too, because I know the Lord has been encouraging me to stop striving and start abiding. I just am feeling and seeing around me, including myself, having to battle this every day, just seeing women of our generation, even Christian women, just struggling to not feel the need to strive and struggling to just sit and abide and be. And it's because the world is screaming at us to strive. And first, I'm actually just going to read this caption that I wrote at the end of September this year. And I'm just going to start out with this caption and then I'm going to just kind of get into the message that I wrote for the PC3 gals. So here's the caption that I wrote um, at the end of September. And it says, sister, you can stop. You can rest. You can take a deep breath and cease striving. You don't need to prove yourself or defend yourself. Jesus already proved everything for you on the cross when he defeated sin and death. And Jesus is your defender. The world is telling you do more, make more, be more, be the best, X, Y, Z, keep up with everyone, influence everyone, build your own little kingdom, do everything. But Jesus is calling you to abide in him, to rest in him, to trust him. And I, without a shadow of a doubt, promise you that abiding in, resting in, and trusting in Jesus will fully satisfy you and then some. And I mean, and then some. And I promise you that the world will leave you parched, thirsty for more, more, more but you will never be satisfied. So if you needed permission today to stop striving and chasing the things of this world, here it is. If you're feeling the suffocation of these little apps telling you there's more, in quotes, for you out there apart from Jesus, they're lying. The world won't satisfy, only Jesus will. 
So take a slow, deep breath right now. Breathe in. I can rest in what Jesus did for me on the cross and breathe out, striving and chasing the things of this world. Lord, show us where we are striving but blinded by our sin to see it. Show us where we are building our own little kingdoms but blinded by our pride to admit it. Lord, give us the strength by your spirit to swim upstream in this culture of hurry, worry, and striving. In you, God, there is rest. In you, there is fullness of joy. Lord, we believe it. Would we live out of that place of abiding and rest? Let this permeate our hearts deeply, God. Amen. Okay, so I just wanted to start this podcast episode with the same way that I started my time with the lovely college gals. So I just wanted to start it with just stopping whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, and just taking a deep breath. So unless you're driving, please don't close your eyes if you're driving, but close your eyes, breathe in and out deeply and slowly. You can keep your eyes closed or open them if you're driving. (laughs) Maybe you come here listening to this today carrying a lot. Maybe you're carrying a lot of stress. Maybe you came here today feeling like you needed to prove yourself. Maybe you come here today carrying a lot of bitterness towards someone. Maybe you come here today and just feel like you're not enough. Maybe you come in here today worrying about your future and you can't stop thinking about it. Maybe you walk in here today and you're in a really dark season and it honestly feels like the night will never end. If any of those are you today, I just want you to know that almost all of those have been me too at some point. And a few of those are me today. So we're going to take a second to think about and pinpoint if there are any lies from the enemy in there that we are agreeing with. Sometimes life is just hard and there aren't any lies. It's just hard. And maybe you're in a season of suffering and it's just hard. But I found that there are a lot of times that there is a lie that has snuck in there that then grows as we agree with it without us even realizing it. So I'm going to name a few from the list I just said, but maybe the Lord has already revealed in your head right now what lie you're agreeing with. So maybe you're believing the lie that you've got to keep up with everyone. You don't. We are not of this world. Maybe you're believing the lie that you're not enough when God has fearfully and wonderfully made you. You are enough because he is in you. Maybe you're believing the lie that you need to have everything figured out right now. But the Lord has already written out every single one of your days before one of them came to be, according to Psalm 139, for his glory and your good and sanctification, and you can trust him. Maybe you're believing the lie that this person you're bitter at is the enemy, when only the enemy is your enemy. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. So ask the Lord to show you what lie you're believing and agreeing with today and repent to him and ask him for forgiveness. God, we repent of believing these lies and agreeing with them. Lord, soften our hearts to your word today. Lord, guard my mouth as I speak about you. And would you draw our hearts to love you more? Would you draw our hearts to stop striving and to start abiding in you? Amen. So today we're going to touch on some things that I think no matter what age you are, as a woman specifically, but men too possibly, I think you struggle with to some degree, comparison, identity, and insecurity. But I think when we're struggling with those, they actually manifest themselves as striving. So we're going to get to the root of it and talk about what the counteract of striving is. So I've titled this chat, Stop Striving, 
start abiding. So today we are going to be talking about John 15. Um, So if you have your Bible next to you and while you're listening to this podcast, you can open it to John 15, 1 through 11. And this is Jesus teaching his disciples right after the Last Supper before he would be crucified on the cross. And it says, John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, so... I mean, we could spend hours dissecting these verses because there's so much in them, and I highly suggest coming back to John 15 over and over and over again for the rest of your lives because we will forget time and time again in our own sin, and we need to be reminded of these verses. And we're just going to touch on some of the main parts of this passage. So the vine. Verse 1 tells us Jesus is the true vine. God is the vine dresser. We are the branches. The vine nourishes the branches, and the vine dresser, God, is the gardener who cares for the branches, cuts off the branches if necessary, and prunes back the branches so that they can bear more fruit. Branches are completely dependent on the vine to bear fruit or do anything. As Jesus tells us quite explicitly in verse 5, that apart from Jesus himself, we can do nothing. Not we can sort of do some stuff or we can do lots of stuff in our own strength with just a little help from Jesus. No, we can do nothing worthwhile for the kingdom apart from the true vine, Jesus. So abiding or some versions say remaining. So as a branch, what is Jesus calling us to do? He is calling us to abide in him to bear fruit. So starting at verse four, it says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Vern Nicolette said, To abide in Jesus is a very active lifestyle. It means to live in such a way that I am always found to be in him, to walk hand in hand with him, to live according to his word. The passage says, in quotes, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, end quote. It is clear that abiding in Jesus has to do with his words abiding in, dwelling in, having power in my heart and mind. When the words of Jesus abide and have power in my heart and mind, such that I obey them by the power of the spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit, the virtues of Jesus, will also come forth in my life, end quote. So like Nicolette said, abiding is active and ongoing. It's day by day. It's moment by moment, leaning into God and his word and communioning with him in prayer continually. And we can only lean into God and his word moment by moment if we know God and his word. So Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about people who say they're followers of him, people that are shouting his name from the rooftops, doing mighty works in his name, it says. Yet he says when they meet him face to face, he will say, depart from me. I do not know you. They didn't abide in him. They were doing a ton for God, but not with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. They weren't remaining in the vine. They were working from their own strength. And remember what Jesus said, apart from him, you can do nothing. So it's like your relationship with your best friend. So think of your best friend. You and your best friend, you got to know each other because you spent time together. You've talked a ton. You've probably listened to them. You've probably had times now where you just sit in silence because you're comfortable with each other. You didn't become best friends with someone from telling everyone else about them. Oh, yeah, my best friend is so great. She's empathetic and kind and such an amazing singer. I could tell that to everyone, but just because I told everyone about her doesn't make me any closer to her or deepen our relationship. What deepens our relationship is the countless hours of time we've spent together as I got to know her, as I continue to get to know her. When I hear my best friend's voice, when she walks into a space and I hear her voice from afar, I recognize it because I've listened to it time and time and time again. It's the same way with God. How will I know God? How will this relationship deepen unless I spend time with him? It's not going to deepen if I just tell everyone else about him. I could have this podcast and talk about God so much on this podcast. I could talk about God so much to everyone, share the gospel with everyone, but I could still not know him because I could not be spending any time with him. My relationship with him doesn't deepen by me talking just a about him. That that's those are great things, but it kind of takes us back to that passage in Matthew 7. So, how how will I know God? How will this relation deepen unless I'm spending time with him? How will I recognize God's voice unless I'm constantly filling my mind with his words? Unless I'm constantly in conversation with him and also pausing to listen to him and letting the spirit guide me. It's hard to love someone that you don't know. And I know God knows everything there is to know about me, but I don't fall in love with him by just talking about him to other people. We may have the head knowledge about him, but we desperately need to have that head knowledge seep deep into our hearts. And how does this happen? By abiding in him, by continually remaining in him, spending time with him, hiding his word, the Bible, in our hearts. Isaiah 29, 13 says, The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that have been taught. Abiding is not a perfect attendance to church every Sunday or never missing your city group or talking about God to everyone in sight or doing a ton of ministry work. Those are great things, but you could easily be doing those things without abiding in or knowing Christ. Your relationship with the Father can't sustain on city group nights or college ministry nights if you're in college or Sunday mornings at your church alone. That is a secondhand relationship. That's you hearing what someone else is learning from their abiding, which is great and necessary and helpful, 
But if that is all your relationship with God is based on, I fear you too will say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy your name? Did I not share the gospel? Did I not raise my hands and worship you every Sunday? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. We never spent any time together. I have no idea who you are. In the wee hours of the morning, or whenever you spend time with Jesus, when no one is around, are you abiding in the Father? What does your relationship look like in the private space that no one will ever know about? When you get to heaven, will he say, yes, my girl is here. We have spent so much time together. I absolutely pray so. So how do we abide in Christ? How can you start abiding today? So spiritual formation and disciplines play a huge part in abiding in Christ. Reading, meditating on, and memorizing God's word and prayer, to name a few. These are so important. Going to the secret place and being alone with God and abiding in him. A quote I found sums up the tension of fighting for these disciplines slash abiding. And the quote is, this book, the Bible, will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. So in your sin, it will try to keep you from reading God's word. God's word that is alive and active and will renew your mind and change you. Your sin is going to try to keep you from this, but fight Fight, fight, fight to abide in God and to abide in his word daily. Fight for that discipline. You're not going to feel like being in God's word every single day. Fight, make it a habit and let his word renew and change you. So two tangible ways to start abiding in Christ today. One, reading your Bible daily. Set your alarm for 20 minutes earlier each day. God is worth you sacrificing 20 minutes of sleep. And before you touch your phone or anything else in the morning, read your Bible. If you don't know what to read, I can send you the Bible plan in the year that I'm doing. I'm doing Bible Recap. You could look that up on Instagram. You can download their Bible plan straight from there for free. I absolutely love it. Or start in John. Go through John. Learn about the life of Jesus. And then go through Romans and then go through Acts. Um, But I would just so encourage you to be following a daily plan and reading God's word every single day. God has given us his actual word. It is alive and active. His word cleanses us and changes us. We need to be reading it. If you are not reading it daily, today is the day to put a stake in the ground and start and never stop for the rest of your life. Number two, start making prayer a consistent rhythm in your life. Prayer should mark us as believers. We get to talk to the creator of the universe. Are you kidding me? About two years ago, I made it a habit to start my time in the morning with Jesus in prayer. Before I read anything, just coming before him. And that habit has been life-changing. I personally am such a, a scatterbrain and I actually have specific bullet points that I'm praying for every day of the week. Um, There's no right way to pray. This is just helpful for me. And so maybe it'll be helpful for you too. So let me see. I'm literally grabbing. um, And I I redo this list like probably like every three or four months because my prayers just like change and stuff. Um, But literally Monday, here's what I pray for every Monday. Alex, his walk with Jesus, his affection for God, his work. Um, that a discipler would come into his life for our marriage, for our intimacy. I pray for Zan and Shay, their salvation, their joy and boldness. I pray for their health and I pray for the future kids in our family and for wisdom regarding that. 
And then I have an overarching prayer that I pray every single day. And I always write these along the spine of the notebook, like in the crease. And these typically stay about the same prayers, but I they kind of change a little bit when I rewrite the weeks out every um, two to four months. So like right now, or let's see, um, a few months ago, my last one in the spine, I just wrote prayers um, for a gentle and quiet spirit with my family and everyone and um, just discipline and zeal. Um, currently in my week, I just have written um, a prayer for a deeper affection for God and humility. Um, let's see. Um, this other one I have written in the spine, humility, compassion, slow to speak, unassuming, disciplined, lover of your word, a homemaker heart. Um, so yeah, in the spine, it's just, I like to just write an overarching prayer that that one I'm praying for every day, um, as well as just speaking out things about God to remind myself who he is. So entering just into prayer with Thanksgiving and just kind of speaking out attributes that I'm thinking of that day. God, thank you for um, being a gracious father, for being kind and almighty and all powerful and all knowing and just um, speaking out attributes about him, reminding my heart of who he is, of who I'm praying to. Um, and then last thing, I've written out a list of questions that I wrote out the first time that I started doing this. Let's see when I started doing this. I'm a date writer. Um, so January 3rd, 2020. Um, so less than two years ago. Um, so I wrote out these questions and these ones I come back to and these haven't changed. Um, I don't pray through every single one of these questions each day. Um, but typically I'll read through quite a few of them each day. So I'm just going to, I just title them daily questions for prayer. And so I'm just going to read each of them. What is something I can thank God for today? Just praying through that. Is there any sin I need to confess today, God, to you or to someone? Is there any sin I need to repent of? Who can I encourage today? Lord, show me. Who can I intentionally love today, God? How? How can I serve Alex well today? Lord, how do you want to use me today? Lord, put divine appointments in my day today, small and big, and give me the willingness and confidence to say yes to them. Lord, open my eyes to the simple, holy moments. Every moment is holy. Lord, search my heart and know me. Show me any offensive or snarky or sarcastic or prideful way in me. Change me, Lord. What is a worry I need to lay at your feet and trust you with today, God? Lord, help my unbelief. Reveal yourself to me in a new way today. Those questions are just have been a sweet way that the Lord uses to bring my perspective back to Him and just honestly just depend on Him for my day that day. God, what what do you have for me today? Who do you want me to serve today? Um, just fixing my eyes back on Him and just yeah, allowing Him to show me. God, is there any unconfessed sin? God, is, is there any specific way I can love my husband well? And just asking him to put divine appointments in our lives because he will answer um, and asking him for the boldness and courage and confidence to say yes when he does put those in our lives. So those have just been some sweet questions that have really, yeah, blessed me this last year and a half-ish. So yeah, writing this stuff out has been so helpful for my mind. But again, like I said before, this might not be helpful for you. Um, there's no right or wrong way to pray at all. Um, this has just been helpful for my scatterbrain and blessed me a lot in my prayer life. And it's even sweet as I'm looking right now at my latest um, Monday through Wednesday. Monday through 
Sunday that I've written out. On Wednesdays, I was praying for Alex and Andrew and their surgery. And just to see that circled with a check mark to get to see that the Lord answered that. He was faithful to answer that prayer. Um, yeah, so just get to celebrate answered prayer and get to um, be able to see them tangibly and circle them and check mark them has been super sweet too. So hopefully that is encouraging and helpful to someone. Hopefully it's not like overwhelming. Um, it probably sounds way more elaborate than it is. I mean, I'm just have scribbled a ton of things on a page and it's just helpful for me to plop into my spot that I sit every morning and grab, know, know exactly what I'm praying for and um, just questions to remind me, things that I want to um, ask the Lord of and ask him to show me. So it's been helpful for me and I'm praying that hopefully it's helpful for you too. But I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, if I feel myself disinclined to pray, then is the time when I need to pray more than ever. And this other quote by Timothy Keller, prayer is awe, intimacy, struggle, yet the way to reality. There's nothing more important or harder or richer or more life-altering. There's absolutely nothing so great as prayer. So what if prayer was our first response to just everything, simply everything? If you're having an argument with your husband, or if your friend is struggling, what if it was our first response to say, hey, can I pray for you? Or just praying in the moment um, for anything and everything as you're as you're leaving your spouse and they're going to work, um, as your kid is having trouble and maybe throwing a tantrum that you would just pray for them in that moment. Lord, would your peace and spirit Come on this child, Lord. Um, what if, yeah, praying was our first response to everything? That would be life-changing. Both of these habits are life-changing. So what will happen when we abide in Christ? We will bear fruit. So bearing fruit. We have one purpose as branches, and that is to bear fruit. When we produce fruit, God's name is made known and brought glory. Light is brought into dark places and when we produce fruit, we look entirely different from the rest of the world. Verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So what marks a disciple of Jesus Christ? A person's fruit. So what is fruit? Is it how many people you've baptized or how many people you've helped come to faith? Is it how many people you influence? Is it how well you're able to share the gospel explicitly? Is it how big your city group is or how big your church is? Is it how much knowledge you have about the Bible or how many verses you have memorized? None of those are bad things. Actually, all those are great things, but those are not the fruit Jesus is talking about. Fruit here is talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of obeying God's word. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, through 23 tells us, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the Lord is far less worried about your external fruit than he is with your heart and your internal fruit. I can't muster up in my own strength the ability to bear fruit of the Spirit. Only when I am abiding in Jesus continually consistently do any of those things listed in Galatians overflow out of me. And in Christianity, it's the only religion where you can look pretty good on the outside, but then surprise, the Lord is actually looking at your heart and he knows your thoughts and he knows any offensive way in you. And we must be watchful because the enemy is sneaky and we can start to believe the lie that we can bear fruit in our own strength. 
We'll convince ourselves, oh, well, I'm doing this and this and this for God and and, and spreading his name and sharing about him on Instagram and sharing lots of content and verses and talking about him to so many people. I don't need to abide or spend time with him. Look at all this that I'm doing for him. And I loved this quote from Chuck Smith commentary. It says, the only lasting fruit is that which is produced as the result of the relationship with Jesus Christ. And here again, the idea of fruit indicates to us the method of God. The fruit that comes forth from our lives is a very natural thing. It's not forced. That apple hanging on the tree is not out there struggling and striving and pushing and doing its best to get ripe. All it has to do is just hang in there and it's going to ripen and it's going to come to maturity. And I just need to hang in there just to abide in Christ. And the natural result of abiding in Christ is my life is going to bring forth fruit. Austin Edwards, if you've listened to my episode with him, if you haven't, go back and listen. He is absolutely wonderful and has so much wisdom. Um, But in that episode, he talks about a Christmas tree analogy and that you can have the most beautifully decorated Christmas tree. It looks magnificent. It lights up the room. It is wonderful, but it is still fake. It's not real. It does not compare to the beautiful, real, deeply rooted tree bearing real, juicy, wonderful fruit. So beware. You can still bear fake fruit apart from Christ, but that is exactly what it is, fake. So what will it feel like if I'm trying to bear fruit without Christ? What will that feel like if I'm trying to bear fruit in my own strength without Christ? From personal experience, it will feel like a race of striving and trying to prove yourself that never ends. It will probably make me think that I'm pretty great, but convince me I need to keep striving to do more or be more. My heart will feel anxious as I try to gain more approval from man, more influence over man, and I will be drained. My cup will be empty, but I, in quotes, must keep going. It's all for God. Ugh, that's exhausting. What will it feel like if I'm bearing fruit while abiding in Christ? It will feel restful. It will feel refreshing. It will feel easy because his yoke is light. I'll feel content. I'll feel completely satisfied. I just think, as I'm even talking, I think of just a sigh of relief, (sighs) a deep joy, a peace that surpasses understanding. That's not to say that some things he calls you to won't be hard, really hard or stressful, but even in the midst of hard or stressful, when you're abiding in Christ, what overflows out of you when you're bumped will be grace and gentleness humility, and self-control. You won't be defensive. It will be a peace that surpasses understanding rather than anger, frustration, being completely overwhelmed, defensiveness, needing to prove yourself, and spiraling in lies. And as we continue to abide in Christ, We are way quicker to realize when we are not abiding in Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us and showing us. As we continue to abide in Christ, we will pinpoint the lies sooner. We will pinpoint the enemy's schemes quicker and fight them off with God's word, prayer, and the help of our community pointing us to truth and interceding for us. We will be able to stop striving as we abide in Christ. Jenny Allen once said, fruit in our lives is the evidence of our relationship with Jesus. And it is quite clear to me that I need to abide in the Father 
If my response to something is annoyance, pride, arrogance, lacking grace, snarkiness, rude sarcasm, or frustration, even if it's internal. And maybe it's different for you, but I bet you know what your flags are. So I want to take a moment to take a fruit inventory on our hearts right now. I'm not talking about the list of things you've been doing for God lately or the amount of Bible studies you've completed, all great things. I'm talking about how did you respond the last time your boat was rocked a little bit? How did you respond the last time you were interrupted or something didn't go your way? How did you respond the last time you were treated unfairly or maybe didn't get given credit for something you worked really hard on? Did love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control come overflowing out of you? The good news is we can choose to start abiding today, right now. And if slash when we mess up tomorrow and forget to abide, we can repent and begin abiding again because we have such a gracious and merciful Father. When I find myself striving, it is almost always because I'm not abiding in Jesus. And not abiding in Jesus leads me to forgetting the gospel. So ultimately, when I find myself striving, I'm forgetting the gospel. In these times of striving, comparison, insecurity, or misplacing our identity, our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. We are forgetting the beauty of Jesus' work on the cross on our behalf. Most likely, our eyes are fixed on ourselves rather than on Him. If we truly believe we are branches and that our main call is to abide in Christ and that the main purpose is to bear fruit of the Spirit in us, then striving to validate ourselves, be accepted, achieve, etc. has already been finished in Christ. Since our faith is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we no longer need to strive for the benefits of Christianity, but we get to abide in Christ as we have already received all of these benefits freely in Jesus. Okay, so back to comparison and security and identity. I just want to touch on a few things about those. So a lot of the time when we're struggling with any of these, it's because we are forgetting the gospel or a piece of it. Our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on ourselves. We are forgetting that when we were at our absolute worst, Jesus left his throne in heaven to become fully human while staying fully divine. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live and died the most horrific death that we deserved, taking on God's wrath, paying the price for our sin. He rose from the grave three days later, conquering sin and death. And if your faith and trust is placed in Jesus, if you have repented of your sins and made Jesus Lord over your entire life, you have been brought from death to life. Your heart of stone has been turned to flesh, and by grace alone you have been saved. You have been reconciled to God and are able to have a personal relationship with Him, and you will live forever in the most beautiful place for eternity with Jesus. So, my best advice I have for you regarding any of these when you're struggling with them is to one, remind yourself of the good news of Jesus Christ, and two, remind yourself who God is, and three, remind yourself who you are, which is a daughter and servant of the king. So just to touch on them a little bit though, comparison. In the words of the wise Jess Conley, in one of her books, she talks about taking yourself out of the race and just go read her book, You Are the Girl for the Job, because I'm not going to explain this even remotely as well as she does. But this totally resonated with me. And I think I think about this 
weekly. She talks about taking yourself out of the race. You are not in the race to be the trendiest. You are not in the race to be the perfect student. You are not in the race to be the perfect mom or the best Christian or have the best Instagram feed or get the most followers or be the most successful or be the most well-versed person at your city group. You are not even in that race. So take yourself out of it. Without realizing it, we unintentionally put ourselves into all of these races. You are not in that race. You are in your own unique, specific race towards the crown of life to bring God's name glory through abiding and resting in him. The Lord has placed this specific race before you that is entirely different than anyone else's race. Your gifts are different than the gal or guy next to you. And your gifts are needed in the body of Christ. And so is your sister's gifts or your brother's gifts. So we get to be cheering on our brothers and sisters in their races. When I convince myself that I'm in one of these races, when I convince myself that I'm in the race to be the perfect, most trendy mom, I am unable to love my sister who also is a mom. I'm unable to love her well because subconsciously I've put myself in a race against her and only one of us can win that race. Therefore, I am unable to love her well. And the list goes on and on. Whatever race you are in, you are subconsciously placing yourself in, we will not be able to love our brothers and sisters well if we stay in that race. But we are not in that race. Take yourself out of whatever race you have subconsciously put yourself in. We are on the same team as our brothers and sisters. And the amount of freedom that comes with taking yourself out of those races and remembering, gosh, my only race is to the crown of life, um, to bring God's name glory. Gosh, there is abundant freedom in that. You can just take a big sigh of relief that you are not in any of those races because those races will be crushing. Those races will lead to striving. But this race that the Lord has for you, your unique race that is just running towards him, chasing after him, staying in your lane, there's such freedom in that. There's so much freedom that he has for you in that. So take yourself out of the race. Whatever race you have subconsciously put yourself in, take yourself out. You are in your own unique race towards the crown of life to bring God's name glory. That is the only race you're in. So now you can freely lift up your brothers and sisters in their unique race that the Lord has them in. You can lift them up so high. We have the freedom to do that because we're all on the same team towards the crown of life. So, yeah. Stop comparing. Take yourself out of the race. Identity. Christ died for you. You have been adopted into his family. Your branch is grafted into the vine. You are his daughter. That is your identity. The second I place my identity and security even remotely elsewhere, I feel it, I see it, I spiral. Whether I place my identity slash security in my husband or job, well, old job, I retired, woo woo or friendships, or my own strengths, in quotes, the second I am idolizing or placing anything above Jesus, that is when I'm struggling with these things. I need to place Jesus back in his rightful place on the throne. I need to check where I'm idolizing anything else and kill that through the help of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, 
The freedom that I feel when these things are in their rightful place is unlike anything else. Honestly, the abundant freedom, even in my marriage, when I keep my husband in his rightful place, which is under Jesus, gosh, our marriage, that's when we're flourishing. That's when our marriage is flourishing, when Jesus is on his throne, rather than when I place my husband up there instead. Oh, it's so obvious. And by God's grace, he shows me that clearer and clearer um, when I start to do that again. And it whew, it took a couple of years. Um, insecurity. Insecurity is pride. It is just a different type of pride. We need to stop thinking so much about ourselves and fix our eyes to Jesus. We are not that great. I'm sorry if that's not encouraging, but we aren't. I have nothing to offer you but Jesus. Apart from Christ, I have no good thing. But we do have Christ, the best thing. And he did not make a mistake. And whatever lie the enemy is sneaking into your head to make you insecure, God made no mistake. We must humble ourselves, though, and repent of our pride of insecurity and ask Jesus to help us take our eyes off ourselves and fix it on him. We must stop looking down at ourselves. I just picture myself standing and just looking down. I need to lift my eyes. I need to have eternal eyes. I need to lift them up, eyes up, eyes up, eyes up, keep them fixed on Jesus. The second I start to become insecure about personally for me, it's like, oh my gosh, am I too much? Oh, was I too much for that person? The second I start even remotely thinking those things, my eyes, I'm just fixed on myself. That is pride. I'm so fixated on me. When I just lift my eyes up, to my creator, when I lift my eyes up to Jesus who died for me, gosh, I all those things are free from my mind now because my eyes are fixated on beautiful, magnificent, glorious Jesus who died to save me. So my prayer today is that you would leave listening to this podcast feeling the freedom to abide in Jesus, period. Not the freedom to abide and do this and this and this and this, but Fully feel the freedom to abide in Jesus and walk in step with the Spirit. And out of the overflow of that, Jesus will lead you into whatever he has for you. Sister, you can stop striving and start abiding. Friends, the Lord has complete freedom from striving for you. I cannot say it enough. You can cease striving today because you are in Jesus. You do not need to strive anymore, friend. I pray this episode was encouraging to your soul. If you haven't already, go subscribe to my emails to stay up to date with the podcast episodes and honestly just to stay up to date with me in general as I exit off of social media for a hot moment. You can subscribe to my emails in the link in my bio on Instagram at Madeline Schultz underscore. As always, I would love to hear from you. If you would like to connect, please email me at maddie, M-A-D-I, at sunnyand65.com. Friends, if you were encouraged by today's episode, would you share it with your friends and family into your social media spaces? Would you leave a review? I would so appreciate it. As always, go be bold and love big, and we will see you next time.